Hello! You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly, sometimes whenever I can manage it podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and this is going to be another one of my first look episodes as I have in front of me the player cards from The Unspeakable Oath, and I'm sure I will slip over those words at some point in this episode. But I've got a little treat for you listeners, because I'm not doing this alone this time. Today, I'm joined by... It's Scott. Scott, hello! Hello! Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm recovering from a bunch of sniffles and colds and all that stuff, but uh, overall, pretty excited about this pack, so... And this is your... Am I right in thinking this is your first time of joining the esoteric order of the street date and avoiding looking at player cards uh, my second, until the, the day? Second time. Second time, yeah. okay. I, I've done this cycle blind, so... It, it's been interesting. I'm not sure it's 100% for me, um, but it, it, it is does have that kind of fun effect of it, of you know opening a card pack like the old CCG days where you'd run down to the store with your $4 and like you know, pop open 15 cards and yeah. Yeah, there's that feeling of almost, I I get that feeling of like feeling it burning in my bag. I'm like <laughs> looking forward to get home, you know, which is, a, that feels like a really childlike experience mm-hmm. to me, um, which I don't, I don't think I get that with things that I, you know, even if you buy a computer game these days, it just downloads. It's not waiting to crack open the case and put the CD in or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm showing my age here. <laughs> Let's talk about predictions very quickly. We've had quite a lot of cards spoiled from this pack, including one that Drawn to the Flame did itself, mm-hmm. um, which is Storm of Spirits. So if you've not heard that episode yet, listeners, go check it out. I think it's episode 35, something like that. And we've also seen that there are these patrons who are different sort of quite powerful allies for each faction that I think are to do with resources and making things cheaper or more efficient in certain ways. Getting resources, certainly. Mm-hmm. And we know that there are the cancellation cards. Are there any other cards that you're expecting or things that you think will happen in this pack? Well, I'm, I'm thinking more generalized thing. I think there's going to be a lot of assets. And maybe some, like because we had so many skills in the last pack, I feel like mm, they yeah. got all those out of the way. And now we're going to get a bunch of more uh, permanent, not neutral things is what I was hoping for. So you get a little bit more class identity, you know, Kind of yeah, stretched out yeah. here. So, and I think the question's got to be: if you're saving resources as as a character, mm-hmm. what are you going to spend them on? Because you, you you're getting discounts or things like that, and yeah. and there's got to be things to invest in that aren't just the permanent talents that you're you're pouring your money into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, although maybe maybe there's a big payout in pack six. That's like it's maybe. like double lightning yeah. gun. I don't know. We've not seen anything more expensive than six cost, right? Leo De Luca. So who knows? Uh, yeah. Maybe there'll be big money cards. Mm-hmm. We'll wait and see. Okay. Are we ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Flipping over my pile. Here we go. Ho-ho! The first card is Trench Knife. It's a one-cost guardian asset with a single combat pip. It's item, weapon, and melee traded. And it is uh, one-handed. Engage actions you perform do not provoke attacks of opportunity. Action, fight. You get plus X combat for this attack. X is the number of enemies engaged with you. 
It's seen more violence than most people see in a lifetime. Oh my goodness! Hmm. Okay, yeah, hmm, exactly. Well, immediately this makes me think of what Peter would always say about how great taunt is that you can save an action just when you need it, and particularly taunt is really useful for those times where your fighting character has an enemy mm-hmm. engaged with them already, and then the rest of the party have all drawn enemies, and you want to pull them all on yourself, and obviously you don't want to spend individual actions and get thumped by whichever enemy you're with. And this is another way of doing that that's not running taunt, but obviously you still spend the actions. Yeah, and I find a lot of uh, a lot of times in like three or four player games that happens a lot as the fighty character. Like if you play a campaign of that, you'll realize, man, there's so many times where I just want to, oh hey, I'll take that guy from you, and then I'll fight them, so you can take your turn. And oftentimes it actually is usually a smaller enemy, like maybe yeah. a rat yeah, or an yeah, acolyte, yeah. right? So you can engage. This doesn't give you the damage boost but it does give you the combat boost so you can make sure after i engage this guy i know i can punch that acolyte right in the mouth and he's going to be out yeah yeah i think you're completely right and you've touched on the really striking thing about this card the kind of the benchmark by which we judge all weapons which Mm -hmm. is does it give you more damage and i'm sure people will be panning this card because it's not plus damage and it doesn't matter if you're getting plus four combat because you're swarmed by enemies you're not going to be able to to knock them down and that's going to leave you you know in a in a tough place interesting interesting Mm. first card it's maybe a good sort of i don't know it's a sort of almost reserve weapon or maybe it's a great yorick weapon where yorick does if he's doing an aquina thing Mm -hmm. where he wants enemies on him and he's using oh what was that really good uh Knife? What was that? No. Event? No. <laughs> what was the event in Echoes of the Past that pulls an enemy onto you? Heroic Rescue. If he's doing oh, yes. Heroic Rescue, like taking the hits, mm-hmm. tanking it with leather coats and cherished keepsakes, maybe he also wants a, a a weapon that will also let him pull more enemies onto himself. Maybe. Yeah. This is yeah. Tank Yorick would love this. So we have Ambush. It is a Guardian event. It is a two-cost level one. It's traded tactic, and it's got an intellect and a combat pip. It says, attach to your location. If there are no investigators at attached location, discard ambush. Forced, if an enemy spawns at attached location, deal two damage to that enemy and discard ambush. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like a very, well, not very, it's a, a somewhat situational sneak attack. Yeah. But without the evade. <laughs> and, yeah. And you, it's the same, same cost, still an action. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could see it being used where if you have someone who has to, like, the, the seeker has to sit on a location and there's a bunch of clues and you're the guardian, you could maybe pop an ambush down, leave it for them, you go off and fight things. And if the Seeker does get an enemy next turn, at least there's already two damage done. Maybe it takes care of the enemy. Maybe, you know, someone can come by and just needs to do one damage to finish it off. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what I've been trying to do with Hiding Spot, mm. is using it proactively, putting it on a location where someone's maybe going to spend a bit of their turn and then they're going to leave. But the last thing they want is to be stuck there because they've drawn an enemy and they can't move on. Yeah. So you, you throw Hiding Spot down and before you've, You've drawn your card from the encounter deck. And that means if you draw an enemy, 
it's still not going to be a problem because it won't engage you and you can you know grab that last clue and move on or do whatever the action is that you needed to do before you move on and this is yeah exactly as you say kind of similar mm-hmm. it definitely will reward people who get to know the scenarios well and know when you want to stay put in the location and when you don't yeah because unlike sneak attack which you can keep in your hand and play once the enemy is evaded mm-hmm. this if you play it and the, there is a possibility that it whiffs or there's a possibility that you waste time staying somewhere you know imagine playing this in essex <laughs> yeah <laughs> play it and you have a pretty small window of time that you stay in a location yeah yeah, yeah the timing will be tricky too because if there are no investigators at attached location discard ambush it's not at the end of the turn it's as soon as there's no gators there it just pff, yeah gone yeah so that'll be something to balance too yeah, I'm also just thinking now of the hidden chamber. And if you, mm-hmm. one of the situations that's so infuriating is you're in the hidden chamber, you're trying to get the final clues. Mm-hmm. You're not worrying about Silas hitting you for whatever reason. And you draw something like a Whippoorwill. Yep. And you're like, oh, for goodness sake, Whippoorwill. This, it doesn't say if an enemy engages you at that location. It's just if an enemy spawns there. Mm-hmm. So this would hit an aloof enemy, which is great. But also uh, Blood on the Altar has the the perfect counter to this, which is if you're drawn on Wings of Darkness and fail the agility test and get pulled back to the village commons, Mm -hmm. this would then whiff. So, interesting. I was actually, it's funny, I was thinking of Blood on the Altar too, but actually the location just outside the hidden chamber where I find a lot of people, like, you'll get people set up there and then a couple people go in the chamber and then come back out, like, trying to avoid Silas. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen is that you then end up with a mobster out there or an Abanian thug or mm-hmm. a hunting nightgaunt turns up there or something like that. And it's like, oh, we were all going to jump into the chamber this turn, but now we're not going to because we're all stuck dealing with this thing. That would be, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. This is an uh, interesting card. Cool card. Yeah. yeah. Definitely gets more powerful in higher player counts as well. Yeah. Where there's someone who might be staying behind for whatever reason. You know, or you might all be sitting on one location mining it for clues. Okay, interesting. The next card. That's the end of Guardian. Wow, good good first two. It's Charles Ross Esquire. So this is a two-cost seeker asset with an intellect icon. He's an ally and patron traded, and he takes up the ally slot. He has one health and two sanity. You may spend resources to pay for item assets played by other investigators at your location. And then he has a free trigger, Exhaust Charles Ross Esquire. Reduce the cost of the next item asset played by an investigator at your location. So this is one of the ones that was announced by FFG maybe three months ago in Mm -hmm. the Unspeakable Oath announcement article. So people have had a bit of time to think about Charles Ross if they read those announcements and and work out what he's good for and where he fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any burning thoughts about where he belongs? Yeah, I mean, I think three to four player, uh, where you have a dedicated seeker who's going the Dr. Milan route and is going to investigate a bunch. I've played, if, if you're playing standard and you're not using as many of those skill-pumping talents, as far as money goes... Like, there's times yeah. I end up at the end of the scenario with, like, 14 resources. Uh, so to have him kind of there as an option to spend some money, um, even, it doesn't even have to be a, a large amount. I mean, sometimes just one or two resources across the table 
is incredible, right? Especially if you have a if you're a yeah. seeker and you've got a guardian that's with you. Those guardian cards are so expensive. Um, to be able to yeah. lend them a resource or two, fantastic. Definitely, definitely. And we were playing last weekend, and our Jenny player was running teamwork. And over the course of an eight scenario campaign, she only played teamwork once, mm-hmm. but it was so useful. But it wasn't the sort of mega combo teamwork of swapping loads of different things around. It was she had six resources, something like that, and she just shared them out to the other two players. Yeah. But that was all you wanted was just a bit of her surplus mm-hmm. shared out to to the rest of the group who'd been, I think, Akachi had played a shriveling and a right of seeking and a something else. And, you know, already then was was broke yeah was deeply broke so yeah i think i think exactly as you say higher player counts rewards this card well i think if you were doing the repeating playing the disc of its summoner you might get some value out of that but that seems quite specific so i'm not i'm not entirely sold on that yeah i I like i like just the idea of you know the the min deck i've been playing really doesn't have anything that it spends resources on particularly demandingly mm-hmm. it played it played the sort of ally army thing and yeah i often had lots of spare resources there and if i'm trying to be fully supportive actually discounting people's assets by one myself would be quite useful obviously they have to be item assets so you have to be a little bit selective don't you um, but there are a lot of item assets oh yeah we're not sh- short on them Tons. okay do you want to read us the the next, next card yeah all right, it is a Seeker card. Forewarned. It's a Seeker event. Uh, zero cost, level one. Uh, it's got a willpower pip. It's insight traded. And it says fast. Play when you would draw a non-weakness treachery card. Place one of your clues on your location, then cancel that card's revelation effect. This is really good. Yeah, yeah, good reaction. That's I. I've not really spent any time looking at the art on this one as well, and I love that these are, I think, archaeologists mm-hmm. working out something. They looks like this, like scaffolding, and I don't know. It's really cool art as well. Really good. Yeah. yeah. This this to me sort of rounds out some of what we saw happening in Dunwich, which is giving seekers other things that they can spend their clues on, mm-hmm. and or not even spend their clues, use clues towards. So this is a sort of quasi malison effect isn't it but it's straight cancellation rather than a redraw Mm -hmm. and you could even use this in combination with malison if you wanted to where you use malison and drop a clue to redraw and if you still are getting hit by something really scenario threatening you could then cancel its revelation effect with this if it's a, a treachery card obviously yeah looking at two out of our three seekers two of them could take ward of protection as well so i mean you're looking at Two copies of Forewarned, two copies of Maleson, two copies of Ward of Protection. Like, if you are playing Daisy or Rex and you don't want to have a treachery card affect you, <laughs> you're pretty set. Yeah. Like, if, if that is your goal in your deck, is to just not have things bug you, I like it. The listener can't see this, but I'm just grinning with you saying that because I was thinking it's like a sort of denial deck. It's mm-hmm. a Daisy Walker who just refuses to interact with the encounter deck. Yeah at all <laughs> you know everything that comes it's like oh it's an enemy drop a clue with malice and shuffle that back in okay now it's something that i can handle fine i'll pass that test yep. oh no this is a nasty treachery it's beyond the veil i'm cancelling the revelation effect on that fine you just kind of <laughs> yeah never interact with the encounter deck da- kind of crazy daisy the stubborn librarian 
Yeah. I think also Roland probably likes this. I mean, people have been enjoying yeah. playing Malison and Roland because he's got a good stat line, 2-2, but this is also in Roland's card pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have, find it a bit harder to pick clues back up, but yeah, could protect him if he needs it. Yeah, I, I think he has more ways... He has more ways of dealing with picking up clues than taking some of those treachery card challenges. Like, some of the the agility tests or some of the willpower tests, I think he's like, you know what? I'll give up a clue and I'll figure out how to grab it later on Yeah, to skip yeah. some of these, like, uh, especially, what is it, rotting remains? That for each one you fail by, you take a, a horror? Yeah, yeah. Like that. Exactly, just... exactly. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And he can he could be running working a hunch or art student or something that allows him to get clues testlessly. Mm-hmm. So if it's a case of putting a clue in your location to then get it back testlessly, that and to avoid a nasty test that might be game threatening. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, very powerful. Okay, so yeah, cool card. Seekers just their stock rises and rises. Yeah. Okay, the next card is. It's another one we know already. It's Dario El Amin, the unscrupulous investor. He's a four-cost asset in the rogue faction. He has an intellect icon. He's ally and patron traded, so he's another of our patrons like David Renfield. Takes up the ally slot, two health, two sanity. While you have ten or more resources, you get plus one willpower and plus one intellect. Action, if there are no enemies at your location... Exhaust Dario Elamin, gain two resources, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that action. I mean, is pretty powerful. I think overall, it's fascinating to see that Seeker is about helping other people with resources and <laughs> Rogue is reducing greedy. costs of things. <laughs> and this is just straight up take more money. And when you have more money, you're you know, you get a boost to your stats, which is pretty cool. And then mm. Renfield was a place of doom on him and he, you get plus one willpower. But for each doom on him, you also get resources. So that's a sort of weird, very strange effect yeah. on Renfield. Really making it clear that mystics do things completely differently from everyone else. So yeah, Dario, I I like him. I'm really looking forward to trying him and Jenny. I have a Jenny deck ready to go, partly so that she can get up to that 10 resource threshold. Mm-hmm. And also Jenny's would enjoy seeing her very well-rounded stats be boosted to pretty aggressive stats yeah so yeah i like that i'm i'm torn i guess like i know i get criticized for this especially by sean but you know in the click economy he costs four eventually to get that back it's gonna take you four actions but in a jenny deck you do get those extra resources through jenny once you get 10 resources this is a really good card i wish it wasn't willpower (laughs) <laughs> I, I wish it was maybe maybe combat if I if I want to be picky, but I I can't be. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. And I think I think the willpower detail is a really interesting one because he really makes you pause and think. You know, given that that Rogue anyway have Leo De Luca competing for this spot, mm-hmm. who in Rogue wants more resources can accumulate ten resources in a pool and then wants you know, of the bonus that's about to be available, a willpower and intellect bonus rather than an agility and a something else bonus or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think he becomes a really interesting card to think about. Almost always you just say, I just want an action again. Yeah. But 
with, with Leo. But I, I mean, I also think that there might be room for him in, in a Sefana deck that's playing mm. reactively, playing cheapish events, maybe playing things like Hot Streak that she can play multiple times if she wants to. And so she could end up with a lot of resources. And what she then really wants is to be able to turn on her spell abilities and go up to five willpower. Yeah. And this would be a way of doing it. But obviously there are there are other ways that you could think about, like Holy Rosary or whatever else. But yeah, just that this could be a piece in a puzzle for a Sephana deck that becomes useful. I mean, if she goes up to three intellect, that's not not too bad either, yeah. given that there are many other investigators at three. It'd be interesting. I, I wonder if this would work. I don't think it would, but in a Wendy deck... If you play a lot of really cheap secret or uh, survivor cards, yeah, so that you weren't paying a lot and you could store up money, yeah, I don't wow. know. And then Wendy goes up to five willpower and four intellect. Yeah, I guess the question is, what are you going to do base, with that yeah. intellect? Or sorry, not the intellect, uh, the willpower. I mean, but when I run Wendy solo, I don't run any willpower boosting cards, mm-hmm. not even guts, because I'm like four willpower is fine. I will. I will dodge my way out of any serious issue mm-hmm. and I would rather use those two deck slots for more tricks than I would for just sort of just in case I pull a visions of future past or something I'm worried yeah. about. I'd rather just just not not worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're 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 right in that regard. Okay, let's move on. All right. Do you want to read this one because you've been having to read the ones that have already been previewed? I do want to read this one because I just pulled the card off okay. and it's a very familiar card to me. Yes, the art looks very familiar. <laughs> yes. And I've even mentioned it this episode. It's Sneak Attack. Yeah. But it's it's the level two Sneak Attack. And I love these ones because this is such a great memory challenge for me. Right. So this is Sneak Attack level two. It's a two cost rogue event. It has intellect and two combat icons. So it's gained a combat icon. It's a tactic. Deal two damage to an enemy not engaged with you at your location. Record scratch? Wow. So, sneak attack level zero is deal two damage to an exhausted enemy at your location. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, pretty much the only way to an exhaust an enemy is to evade it, Mm -hmm. which means that sneak attack level zero, you're going to spend one action evading or someone's going to spend an action evading or using a stray cat or whatever other evasion trick they have. And then you're going to spend a further action to do the two damage. So pay two, two actions, two damage. This is pay two, do two damage. Could be that, you know, two health ghoul who's just turned up and ended up engaged with your seeker and you don't want to spend any time engaging them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it immediately makes me think of someone with the trench knife as a final action, grabbing an enemy off you so that on your turn you can just pay to and kill that enemy. And yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting. The not engaged with you in solo well, doesn't really, if you're, apart from aloof enemies, right? If you're, Yeah. If you're, unless you're using your super secret uh, hiding spot tech, you know. Yeah. You could, yeah. I think this is more hiding a Hiding spot thing. sneak attack. Yeah. But think of how many times... Like you said, you know, like where someone has to grab an enemy off of someone else and then deal two damage to it. Even if it's, what's that gangster? He's like four attack, two health. The Abanian's thug. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Four, two, two. For someone who's not combat oriented, that's a difficult guy to deal with. But yeah. this is where someone with Rogue could just and he be he like, only has two evade. That's why it's like he's crying out to be killed in a sneaky way. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, if you want to evade him, it's only a test of two. And then if you've got something like Sneak Attack, that, you know, that's, a, uh, I think, a quite neat way of dealing with him rather than trying to pass a combat four. Yeah. 
I like this card. This is this is a very good upgrade. So how does this compare to Ambush? Ambush, attached to your location. If there are no investigators, discard it, yeah. And after an enemy spawns, deal two damage to that enemy. I mean, you're still spending the, the action with mm-hmm. Ambush. You're just spending it in preparation. Yeah. I mean, Ambush is as soon as someone spawns. Yeah. So it's also not picking and choosing, right? Yeah, there is the potential in a in a four player game where you draw three enemies, and the the player running sneak attack at that point can choose one to kill mm-hmm. as a first action. Or if you are running enemies. ambush and you you know two enemies spawn, the first one is a rat, the second one is a like a nightgaunt. Well, the rat takes the two damage, <laughs> right? And the nightgaunt's like, oh, I'll avoid That's that ambush. Classic, like, yeah, launching your ambush too early. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. you just waited. Okay, the sne- but sneak attack, we've gone a little bit off off topic, but yep. sneak attack, cool card. Point and click, two damage. This, I've been I've been running sneak attack in Sephina solo. Mm-hmm. This underneath her, oh, my I mean, goodness. you still need to do the evade, as I said, but repeated, like... You could you could have this character who who just doesn't engage any enemies and they're they're almost the fighter character but they're a fighter who does everything from a distance. Yeah, <laughs> could be could be fun. But now we what we need is a sort of I suppose an inverse taunt. I suppose we have it in stealth, right? Uh, Easier evade. Yeah, they disengage from you. Wow, stealth sneak attack. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, new deck archetype. Oh hey, I, I've I've heard of this card before. This is Storm of Spirits. It's a uh, mystic event. It's three cost. It's uh, spell traded, and it has a willpower and a combat pip. Fight. This attack uses willpower instead of combat. If you succeed, instead of, a, of its standard damage, this attack deals two damage to each enemy at your location. Any additional damage is dealt to the attacked enemy. If a skull, cultist, tablet, elder thing, or tentacle token is revealed during the attack deal one damage to each investigator at your location mystic dynamite yeah that's a nice way of putting it well uh listener if you've not heard me and peter talking about this card in in quite some length and very excitedly do check that episode out part of the reason why you might want to check it out is that we actually got some little sort of micro rulings on it from matt newman as well Mm. so if you double or nothing this fight action it does do four damage to each enemy at your location, oh. for instance, and uh, <laughs> like a really scary synergy. Yeah. And yeah, what else? Just we sort of talked about which decks it might be suitable in. I think any mystic that's looking for combat, this is such a nice option to round out just having shriveling and you know maybe blinding light in your deck mm-hmm. or some of the dead as well. So yeah, there was uh, another someone submitted a rule question actually about this, uh, and it showed up in the in the rules chat in our Discord about the any additional damage is dealt to the attacked enemy. That is like future proofing. Uh, if they ever if we ever get something that says your spells do plus one damage, it won't make this do three. Yeah. It'll make the attacked enemy get three and everyone else gets two. Cool card. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say any more about it now, but yeah, I think I'm excited to put this in this again sephina this under sephina super cool you know it's like it that's the other thing i think about the cost that it it puts it in that same range as backstab Mm -hmm. and it's just a different effect it's you know splash damage rather than focused damage yeah i love that you can choose the lowest fight value of an enemy at your location to fight Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing yeah very flexible very powerful the next card is it is the Book of Shadows. Oh. 
<laughs> level one. Another upgraded card from the core set. So this is a three cost, one XP asset mystic intellect icon. It's one hand and it's item and tome traded as an action. Exhaust Book of Shadows and spend one resource. Add one charge to a spell asset you control. Comparison time. Book of Shadows level three is four cost rather than three. Mm -hmm. And it's just exhaust Book of Shadows, add a charge to a spell asset you control, right? Does it even have the exhaust clause or is it just action add a charge? It has the exhaust clause and it doesn't cost any, like, no charges, but it also gives you the extra arcane slot. That was the big... Oh, yes. Ah, well remembered. I'd forgotten that. So. This is in Daisy's range. <laughs> yes. So this is a an extra shot in the arm for super muscly Daisy, who already as a spell slinger is, is pretty powerful with higher education. Mm-hmm. And now she can be topping up a shriveling yep. every turn as a free action. That that's immediately where my head goes. Yeah, and it's a tome, so her book bag can help her carry it. Uh, you can get the was it research librarian to yep, go find yep. this tome. I'm not completely sold on if this is actually good, but it's just that we've gone straight to it's better than the level three. Version, <laughs> is that? Yeah. yeah, well, in Daisy, I guess, uh, and I think the issue is in other mystics. I don't think they really see this as a plus, even the level three one. But I could see this yeah. this and Daisy. That's my experience as well. I remember a year ago, the really early days of Corset only playing Agnes solo and upgrading into Book of Shadows level three to play Midnight Masks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, because my shivering will never run out. It'll be really good. And I remember actually playing it as well and being like, this will be really good. And it just being so incredibly slow yeah. because... There's so many times, like particularly a Midnight Mask, yeah. it's a really bad test case scenario because you're so under time pressure. Mm-hmm. But I remember just finding it like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never claimed to be a really great judge of cards, but I was thinking like, oh, I'll give this a shot at least. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've found it really hard to use. And it's always been slagged off for not being available to Daisy. So obviously that this version is available to Daisy is, is wonderful. But yeah, it, it really makes Mystics the real slow rollers. Mm-hmm. They take a while to set up, and then once they're set up, if they're going to use Book of Shadows to top up their spells, that's going to eat up more of their time. In a in a four-party group, that might be okay, where you're saying, like, oh, the Mystic's just going to have a 16-charge shriveling waiting ready to go. But right. my experience of playing this game is normally everyone needs to be pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. It might not be all the time, but someone's going to play a right of seeking and then they're going to take over as the main clue getter and you're going to you're going to require the mystic to sort of be involved in in what's going on yeah and book of shadows says i'm i'm not involved in that i'm i'm doing my own thing thank you and i find with two two copies of shriveling like that's still a lot of damage right like that's 16 damage in those two cards yeah. I don't know if you really need the extra charges on this, like especially someone like Akachi. Like she would never take this, right? Because now she's got five charges yeah. on each. It's... <laughs> and then, and then Akachi's um, Spirit Speaker. Spirit Speaker is one of the most powerful cards in the game, mm-hmm. and it's because I think Akachi doesn't have a very flash ability. People haven't talked too much about how powerful she is, but she has this card that can either 
shred a spell and discard it for you to turn the resources, the charges it's got back into resources, or she can just pop a card back into her hand mm-hmm. at instant speed. Yeah. Which you, your shriveling never need run out if you have shriveling and spirit speaker on the table. You know, at that point, you're in this incredible place. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- why she would spend XP to top up shriveling when she can do it in built already is beyond me. Does, does like a slow support gym want this to top up right of seeking and he's like hanging out and healing people i don't know i'm just trying to be positive about it does anyone want a slow support gym i guess is the question but he's like is he like the fifth investigator that turns up yeah he like turns up to game night and he's like hey i brought you know i brought my slow support gym deck and everyone's like oh great sorry we've already got four people at this table yeah it's like the the investigator who never makes it oh yeah poor jim oh poor jim if he started okay. with his trumpet, oh, but anyways, Book of Shadows. I'm, <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm yeah. torn. I'll try it in Spellslinger Daisy, uh, but yeah, man, her hand slots. That tote bag is starting to be really appealing. Mm-hmm. All right, it is my favorite class, Survivor. Uh, it is a it's fight or flight. So it's a Survivor event. It costs one level zero. Spirit traded. No pips. Fast. Play only during your turn. Until the end of the round, you get plus X combat and plus X agility, where X is the amount of horror on you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I was looking at one cost event that was fast and had no icons. I was like, okay, we're in lucky territory here. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, to a certain extent needs to compete with that. I think it does. I mean, that that's pretty... Pretty beefy. Mm-hmm. Wendy, if she's seen her weakness, she will have taken two direct horror. Yeah. So straight away, playing fight or flight takes it to an agility of six, which is yeah. amazing. And a combat of three. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was that was what I was yeah really waiting for you to be excited about. With Ashcan and Duke, I mean, being able to bump your your fight by a couple, and then you have so like Duke upgrades it up to four and then you can add it like six or seven and then if you can attack twice with duke you're doing four damage at an obscene level of combat so duke changes your base to four so this bonus would then go on top is that mm-hmm. is that right yep. okay wow that that's pretty tasty as well yep. and then the obvious contender here is yorick as well who might have taken a horror or two mm-hmm. if he's been tanking a load of enemies and then he has a turn where he's like okay this turn i'm at Combat of seven, comfortably with yeah. a weapon or whatever it is. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Does Min ever want this? Uh, Probably not. I was just Has gonna... no icons. <laughs> I was just going to jokingly say Min, and uh, okay, I, yeah, I don't think. I mean, so. I was evading some people as Min, um, and I was playing Red Gloves Man Min, mm-hmm. where you're like, well, I'll definitely boost my my intellect because I'm going to get some clues, and then it's like, do I just boost willpower or do I boost? agility or combat and try and do a single hit you know it's mm-hmm. sort of sort of absurd option there well the other option of course is that the the dunwich investigators could all plausibly take this mm-hmm. yep. so you could pack this as a one-off in say zoe and you have this this sort of uh, panic button card or yep. for that big turn you've maybe taken two horror over the scenario and then you have a turn where you're at combat of six and you don't need cards to commit to tests at that point because you're you're fighting so high. Yeah. I really like this card. <laughs> this is uh it's powerful. 
Yeah, it is powerful. Okay, the next card. This is another one we've seen. This mm. is a test of will. It's a one cost, one XP survivor event, and it has a willpower icon. It's spirit traded as well. Fast. Play when an investigator at your location draws a non-weakness treachery card. Cancel that card's revelation effect. Exile a test of will. With or without hope, all you can do is resist. I very much like this card. Some people who are into this game came to this game from Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. card game. And there was a card in that called a test of will. And I believe on your podcast, you actually talked about it in some detail about how similar this card was to that card. Yeah. And I weirdly, I think the strength of this card is that it's not as powerful as that card. That card was a corset cancellation card. Yes. And was incredibly powerful. And most decks found a way to run it. Or if you were pay- playing in a group, at least a couple of people around the table would find ways of running it. Certainly while I played Lord of the Rings, I've not played for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I, weirdly, that's why I like this card, that there is it is incredibly powerful. It can target any investigator at your location. It cancels a revelation effect like Ward of Protection does, but then you exile it. So it doesn't have that sort of broken level power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the big difference between... I played a lot of Lord of the Rings, and you're totally right. Like you, Every deck you could put a Test of Will in, you put a Test of Will in. Three copies, like full-on max it out. But it, yeah. it didn't exile. Yeah. So I like the exile balancing of it. If you don't mind, I also want to read the flavor text because there is a joke about that in this card. So the one from Lord of the Rings is, there is not that you can do other than resist with hope or without it. And it's from Elrond. And this is with or without hope. Yeah. All you can do is resist. Yeah. So. It's a nice little inverted nod to it. Yeah. A little cheap. Even the art is similar. The Lord of the Rings art, go check it out. It's a man standing sort of sort of profile on is that right um and this is yeah it's from the back it's the same thing like he's overlooking yeah. uh yeah so really good card though the the let's get back to arkham <laughs> the arkham one yeah is is top notch uh i think you know that idea where survivors special thing is exiling i mean i will gladly put two of these in my deck and gladly pay two xp each scenario to bring those back from exile yeah, I think it's the first time we've seen a really, really flexible 1xp exile option. Mm-hmm. We've seen some 1xp exile options in the Dunwich cycle that are pretty targeted effects and sort of slightly panic buttony, and definitely Stroke of Luck, which is 2xp, is, you know, there'll be a test that you can automatically pass. Yep. And this this is more in Stroke of Luck's ballpark of you can have it in hand, you can be waiting for that scenario crippling card to come up and target that Mm -hmm. and you're only investing one xp in that so yeah i like it i like it a lot and i'm excited to see it interestingly to go back to your point about that there are seekers now who can run ward of protection and forewarned Mm -hmm. this also means that min can run two copies of test of will and two copies of forewarned yep and even though she can't run ward of protection she can still sort of bump up her encounter deck denial whatever we want to call that kind of yeah. <laughs> refusing to interact with the game yeah. ability stubborn yeah. stubborn decks yeah yep. stubbornness yeah yep. seekers are just they're just not that not that interested in playing the game mm-hmm. cool card okay all right next one another survivor card devil's luck it's an event uh one cost one xp 
it has an agility icon and it is fortune traded fast play when you are dealt damage and or horror cancel up to 10 of that damage or horror just dealt to you exile devil's luck okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you heard my voice yeah no i did i did you can hear my laugh and the flavor text says that was my favorite hat (laughs) and the art is just a hat with like a bunch of bullet holes in it oh and sort of torn top (laughs) okay uh so we're this is this is the survivor way of dealing with Beyond the Veil? <laughs> I guess Basically, so. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. I've had worse in Guardian is zero cost and four XP mm-hmm. to cancel five. And this is one cost and one XP to cancel ten, but it's a one shot. Yeah, and you don't get the resources so for it. You don't get the resources for it. And I suppose there are actually, apart from Beyond the Veil, there are f- very few times where the amount you're being damaged is over five or six mm-hmm. you know four if you're being hit by a sort of a two two enemy maybe four if you're failing a nasty check i took i took four horrors min in lost in time and space for failing uh one of the collapsing reality tests yep. but you know then you're getting hit for six say by uh umordoth or another beefy enemy yeah. but beyond that you know when, when does it get that high this makes me worried for <laughs> what's to come what we might be about to see in carcosa if you're going to be hit for yeah yeah tenora hmm i i like this actually going into the last couple scenarios of a of a campaign where you know you're probably going to see some umordoth level enemies yeah or you know if you're playing through dunwich one copy of this in case of uh beyond the veil yeah because i see this as you know fast play when you're dealt damage or horror cancel a trauma exile devil's luck it's a really nice way of putting it what would you rather have <laughs> the trauma or 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 not yeah. i suppose it's also this great thing of you could have this in your deck in your hand and opt not to use it until that panic moment mm-hmm. i when i played through solo as yorick in dunwich i ended up taking a trauma in Oh, in, in Extra Crypto Activity, mm-hmm. from a completely unlucky pull, I failed uh, the little Whippoorwills test. Oh, the one Eager that, for Death? I can't remember. It's Eager for Death, exactly, which gives you two horror. And then, you know, he can only take six horror. Things, things went very badly for me in that scenario. Mm-hmm. It was very unlucky. But I would have probably paid one XP to cancel that two horror because then I wouldn't have taken... A mental trauma and a mental trauma is a is a big setback for a yeah. combat oriented character for the rest of the the, the campaign. Mm-hmm. There's one final card. Go ahead, man. Okay, this is calling in favors, but weirdly they've spelt favors without the u. Yeah, they spelt it wrong. Mm. Yeah, it's a one cost event. It has intellect and agility icons. Interesting spread. It's favor traded, and I think that's our first favor. Flavor text operator. I'm going to need you to hang up, which is kind of cool. Although it does look a bit like he's hanging up, so maybe it doesn't work. Choose an ally asset you control and return it to your hand. Then search the top nine cards of your deck for an ally asset and play it, reducing its cost by X. X is the cost of the ally asset returned to your hand. Shuffle your deck. Hmm. Well, hello. <laughs> what an interesting card. <laughs> Ooh. My mind immediately goes to a sort of, I'm going to return Leo to my hand, 
and reduce the next ally I play by six. Mm-hmm. Like Leo into Brother Xavier? Is that the... Or a Brother Xavier into Leo? Is that yeah. the, the best possible exchange there? Yeah. I guess... Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. He Is there a Duke play here? An Ashcan and Duke? Oh you my always goodness. have an ally in play. Yeah, into a Red Glove Man or something. Yeah, and Duke, Duke has two cost, so mm-hmm. you could return Duke, play Peter Sylvester for one, and then replay. That's the same cost, isn't it? You may as well have just... Yeah, I think... All you're, all you're paying then is one to search to grab grab the card. And there's a lot in this card to kind of wrap your head around. I mean, I think one of the great things is it returns to your hand. I think in Guardian this would be great with Beat Cops and Brother X's. Yeah. Yeah, because those beat cops. Once you, I played a game yesterday where I got those beat cops down, where they had one health and one sanity left, and I was like, "Oh man, now I have to not let them die because I needed that combat boost." Yeah, but being able yeah. to take them back to my hand and then play them later, while also getting another ally out like that. Yeah, I like this in Guardian. That's pretty good. The the thing you said about return to your hand makes me think of Academic Army and Seeker as well. Because there's an extra reason why you'd want to replay an art student or a lab assistant. Absolutely. Because you're going to get you're going to get the card draw or the clue again. Mm-hmm. So the min deck I was playing finished up with eight allies in the deck: two lab assistants, two art students, two Malison, and a red glove man and a professor Rice. Mm-hmm. And so you know that was the, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really playing anything else. I was just playing those cards and you know letting letting art students die and things like that. That that idea that you'd pay one, pick up the art student get to see nearly a third of your deck well a third of your deck once you've drawn your opening hand yeah and so many helicopters and then yeah find another thing whatever it is play a lab assistant for free because you've picked up an art student and then you can play the art student yeah really really cool card mm-hmm. i think people will immediately probably already have found the ultimate combo with it the other thing i actually thought of just because of this pack is you could you could start a scenario with dario elamine and amass money, mm-hmm. and then when you realize you want to transition into Leo or something like that, if you're running both, oh yeah, this is a way. Or even if if you're just, you know, my feeling about the the slots that we only have one of is you can probably run three or four cards for that slot. Mm-hmm. Depend and and play react depending on the deck, obviously, and play reactively. And sometimes I only would run say a single ally, two copies of it for that slot, yeah. but. You don't need to buy Charisma when you're running just three ally cards in your deck. Mm-hmm. I think you need to buy Charisma when you have five or six allies in your deck yeah. by card. And same with Relic Hunter for accessories. You know, if you've got two copies of Rabbit's Foot and the Heirloom of Hyperborea, yeah. <laughs> don't spend three XP for that. So often I will have two separate allies that I might be running, a Malison and a Milan or whatever it is, and I just play whichever one comes first, or maybe I don't end up playing an ally because I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll wait and see what I'll get in the next couple of turns. And this this incentivizes you to play a single ally early because you can actually use that as a springboard into a later ally, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and like you said, all those seeker allies, they a lot of them have an effect when they come into play. You do that, and then you use them, suck them back to your hand to go grab, grab another one from the deck that has another when it comes into play effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that could be really potent. This this card has come out like six days too late for me yeah. to be playing it. Really, really busily. Uh, really cool card. Yeah. Really interesting. Really interesting pack. I suppose also if you're if you're the one the faction we probably talked about the least is Mystic. Mm-hmm. 
you might be running Arcane Initiate, but also want to transition into Renfield or Alyssa Graham, yep. potentially. And this also then gives you a gives you a way of doing that that's not simply kill the initiate. Mm-hmm. Or the other way round, you've played with Alyssa for a bit and you're starting to hurt for spells. And you realise, oh, it's Witching Hour coming up. If only I had initiate, I'd play it now. Yeah. I know. Bam. Pay one. You could you could have Alyssa use her ability, put a doom on her, mm-hmm. pick her back up into your hand, <laughs> <laughs> go and fetch an arcade initiate that you play. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's some... I just said we shouldn't shouldn't do combos, and I've leapt down that route. <laughs> I, I think this card, you pretty much have to do combos, or else you're not doing it right. I mean, like, you're, you're not... <laughs> you playing in a deck where you only have one ally. <laughs> exactly. Whiffed again! Yeah. <laughs> well, that is a really exciting pack. I think it's a lot more diverse than Echoes of the Past, because we were getting all the composures in Echoes of the Past. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely some cards that require further thought for me, but that's always the way. And it's been really lovely having you join us on the episode, Scott. Thank you very much for making the time. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, If people want to hear more from you, how can they do that? Well, I'm not sure they would. uh, But if you want to join us on uh, Mythos Busters, uh, we're a sister podcast, I guess, to Drawn to the Flame. Uh, Though we do have quite a blood feud. Um, if you and very bloody, very feudy. Mm-hmm. Mythos Busters on iTunes or any of your podcasts grabbing RSS feed things. Uh, MythosBusters.wordpress.com, Facebook. Just search Mythos Busters. Basically, if you type Mythos Busters into Google, you'll find us. So yeah, you just stand in front of your computer yelling Mythos Busters. That will summon a shade of one of you, possibly. Or if you hit the button on your iPhone, Siri, get me Mythos Buster. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Hmm. Yeah, it's been great. The whole reason that, that Peter and I do this podcast is inspired by you guys to talk about the game. So yeah, it's been really nice to have you on and hopefully we can do it again in a future episode. Yeah, Listener, I hope you enjoyed this. Let us know what you think. You know the way to find us. We're Drawn to the Flame on Facebook, Drawn to the Flame on Twitter and drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com you'd think i'd know what it is by now i don't and yeah thanks for listening